We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another post-game playoff edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Another one of those head-scratching, interesting outcomes for our Boston Celtics. And to help me break it all down, as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast. Maybe he needs to be the coach of the Boston Celtics. The one and only Greg Manakis. How we doing, my friend? We, we, we holding up over here? Well, you just said I'm the coach of the podcast, so does that mean I just sit back and not do anything the rest of the pod? You just have to do it all? Hey, man, I, I, as long as I can talk with pace, I think that I think that's what we're really shooting for. We're not podcasting with enough pace. That's, what it's been. that's <laughs> been the missing ingredient, man. When it comes down to it, nut crunch time, we are not podcasting with enough pace. That's I, I just fucking figured it out. Just figured it out, and uh, yeah, I mean... There, there's no beating around the bush on this one. Celtics, Philly, now tied up at two games apiece, heading back to Boston. For game five, what will not be a closeout game. Had a chance to be. We're going to break that all down here in just a minute. So we do know that now this series will go at least six games at this ties 2-2. That's the unfortunate news. One good piece of information out of this, so we can at least have a little bit of, of cheer in this, is following game six, and if there's a game seven, which let's all hope we don't at least get there. I mean, we, we don't want that to happen. But should there be a game seven and definitively now after game six, make sure that you guys are following us as we will be doing our post game pod live on the Bleacher Report app. So make sure that y'all have the Bleacher Report app downloaded. Your boys, including Adam Taylor, we will have the three man weave united after game six we'll also have coverage obviously of game five but starting on game six and then if there's a game seven you will have green with them be coming at you live from the bleacher report app uh thursday's a definitive greg that's uh that's definitely going down after this game right now before i get into our morning box score just give me give me a handful of words to just describe your emotion just as visceral as it can get as as raw as you can be what what's the emotion that you got right now I feel like I want to puke, man. Like, really, that's what I feel like. Um, Danielle, <laughs> bless her heart, is uh, playing the Harry Potter like legacy game on PlayStation that just came out. 
So she's having a good time while I'm watching the game. I'm watching the game on my laptop. And with like 10 seconds left, she makes some comment. I have no idea what she said to me. It was probably related to dinner. And I'm sitting there yelling at the at my screen, but she assumed I was yelling at her. So I'm like, there's fucking 10 seconds left. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, 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 not you, the coach. Why aren't we calling a timeout right now? I was just so sad when, when they inbounded the ball and I realized we weren't going to call a timeout. I was like, all right, like fucking buckle up, I guess. But yeah. the thing that kills me about not calling the timeout is like the Celtics had played such an amazing game up until that point to get to that point. Had the great look at the end of regulation, like smart misses the three. If that shot goes in, Missoula's a genius. If this if this uh, shot gets off with you know 0.5 seconds quicker, Missoula's a genius. Mm-hmm. It's just Missoula's not a genius, man, because so the results matter. Results do matter. They matter. And we've seen this time and time and time again. So obviously, I'm not the, we've talked about this before, I'm not the big reader on this podcast, but the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, right, always kind of has a certain point of inflection. And I've been thinking about that a little bit for for Missoula and the timeouts, where either his, you know, his reluctance to ever give in to any request to call a timeout is eventually going to either be, see, I told y'all I knew what I was doing and it's going to pay off in the biggest moment. Or it's going to happen like it's been happening so far, where mm-hmm. it's going to be the ultimate demise of the season. We're going to look back at several games where there was no twi- no timeout called. That's kind yeah. of where we're at with Joe Missoula right now. And to Joe's like post-game presser um, that you shared with me that just put me in mm-hmm. an even worse mood is when he went on there <laughs> and was like, oh, yeah, that was the right play. We just didn't play fast enough. It's like fucking no shit, dude. Yeah, there was, yeah, there's seven seconds left, and you guys are barely getting yourselves organized. Maybe at that point, call the timeout. You know what I mean? Like That's what killed me is at the end of the game, clearly they didn't know exactly how to get it all organized and set up. That's mm-hmm. why you have a timeout, to get it organized and set up so you don't have to waste six seconds of the yeah. fucking play clock to get your play set up. You advance the ball, you call a timeout, and you're already organized. That's literally mm-hmm. the point of a timeout. And the fact that he didn't do it again kills me, bro. And what's even more ironic is like a minute earlier, uh, Doris Burke and Mark Jones are talking about how Missoula doesn't like calling timeouts because he likes having two down the stretch. Well, if you have two down the stretch, the whole point of having two down the stretch is so that you can use one of those two or use both of them. So like just one. Hey, listen, he had two. He had two. Just, Just use one. That's all we're asking. Just one. You can hold on to the other one. You, you can keep it in your back pocket. You can cuddle with it. You can do whatever the fuck you're going to do, as, as crazy Joe Missoula will do. But, you know, I, I think the part that you're you're hitting on that is the part that blows my mind is when he says play with pace and they just needed to get into the play sooner, literally advancing the ball to half court and getting the play set up. You're cutting out so much time by doing that. When a team's out in transition, you don't want to call the timeout. Okay. We have, you know, we have potentially Jalen Brown, one of the best transition guys in the league. Jason Tatum, I, I fully trust. You know, I think there's, I think there's some, um, you know, we have space. We have a lot of shooters that can get open looks. That makes sense. Off a made basket, I can't understand why you wouldn't take it. I can't understand. Yeah, I mean, I was okay with the one at the end of regulation because I feel like we really did have all the momentum and it kind of felt like one of those plays where like chaos would actually be our friend at the end, at the mm-hmm. end of regulation. And it was like smart was wide the fuck open. Um, yeah. Just missed the three. But 
it in in OT like that three by Harden was such a dagger, bro. It was such a dagger. Yeah. We're down one instead of being tied right at the end of regulation. We're tied, so like there's not as much pressure if we miss the shot. It's just you go to overtime. Down one, you got to call that timeout to get your guys set up. They're they're frazzled in that moment. You could see that they weren't getting into the play. Even if that was the play you wanted to run, which seemingly it was, um, they you know Tatum made a good play at the rim. He made the right pass to Smart, but it was just too late like we got we he late. started that action his his downhill to the hoop was with like under four seconds left like that it's yeah. inexcusable you got to at least give yourself an opportunity to get the offensive rebound um at the end of that game right if you miss that shot you got to give yourself the opportunity to uh to get that shot and welcome uh adam we are live right now just fyi welcome to the pod adam taylor Thank you. Three man weave had to get up in the middle of the night to to make, to make this happen here. What's up? Yo, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I kind of fell asleep and then I woke up and re watched the last bit of the game that I'd missed. So I was like, yo, let me uh, let me see if the guys are recording. I'm not very happy. <laughs> oh no, we we are not either, Adam. We are uh we were gonna go to a morning box score, but we're now eight minutes into just discussing whether. Yeah, not, I was gonna uh, say, I might just skip like, the morning box score at this point. That was false advertising, folks. We're we're skipping at this point. We all know what happened. One sixteen, one fifteen. Series tied up at two. Yeah, yeah. So Did we didn't want to talk about the, how Joe Mazzulla should have called the timeout. Then no, no, you know, you know what, Adam? We're eight minutes in, but we haven't touched on that yet. No, of course we have, man. That's all we've talked about for eight minutes. Uh, what were your thoughts? Drum Azula should have called the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's the last possession of the game. You're down by one. This is how, this seems like you've been saving all your timeouts. You want two down the stretch for this reason. You're going to call a timeout, right? Right? What the fuck? Where's the timeout? And it, I don't know, man. I just think that, it, like, for me, you draw a play up there, you, you stop the possession, you draw a play up, you go into a designed end of game set. Brad Stevens had a designed end of game set. It was called winner. Do you know what that meant? It meant you won the game. Ime Udoka <laughs> had designed end of game sets. Joe Mazzula's like, I ain't got nothing. Uh, I, just, I think he done quite well. He galvanized the team in the fourth. Um, he yeah, I, I thought his uh, when he challenged them to, to play, hey, you guys can play uh, another level of defense. Like, and that's the part that's so killer about this. So Greg and I were talking off air before we, we started recording. And up until about six and a half minutes left in the game, I think I texted Greg, Greg and I have a, like a Celtics chat with some of our, our friends from Dorchester. And, um, you know, I texted, I don't know if this is our night tonight unless Philly implodes just because Harden and Embiid, they had it going on. You know, although in, oh, Horford ended up doing a great job down the stretch on Embiid, that was just some really impressive defense by Al Horford. But Philly Philly was playing a good game. Like, like we'll give Philly some credit here. It's it's the ending of this that's real frustrating. But as soon as I sent that, Celtics go on a 17-4 to run, get up yeah. 105 to 100. And from there, that's where it kind of started to crumble at that point. You know, and it, it kind of, it felt like Philly was the one on the ropes and they were able to, you know, find a way back. But part of that, like to that point, even though the Celtics were losing, I didn't think they had played a bad game. I thought Philly was playing their best game mm -hmm. or close to the best version of themselves. And I was kind of okay with that. But then as the Celtics were able to very impressively wrangle control of that game back and then got themselves back into this tight situation, Somehow we ended up back into the same situation where I feel like you can chop up several different podcasts and just copy, paste, send it, put it on YouTube, throw it up on Spotify. You you have you have the same script, which we keep talking about. There's a script to this team, and we're back here again. 
I feel like Brogdon had a bad game. Does anyone else feel like Brogdon? Had, here's something that not every podcast is going to say because they're scared of upsetting people. Do you feel like I feel like Brogdon had uh, one of his worst games of the playoffs? To be quite honest, I think he made some really boneheaded decisions on defense and offense. Yeah, this was something that we were actually um, discussing in our little little text message chat with our buddies back in Boston because we've been talking with them about how Derek White's the third best player on the team for quite some time now. And they were they were just talking about Brogdon and how much they love Brogdon. And I was just like, man, I don't know. And like Brogdon being a floor spacer is great, but there's just way too many times where he's entrusted to be like a main penetrator and decision maker. And oftentimes that decision making ends up with him just taking a wild left-handed layup that has no chance of going in. And he's he his first instinct is not what the offensive philosophy is right to keep that ball moving to look for the next pass to find the open shooter and there are multiple times in the game tonight where he did exactly that that uh one 18 foot fadeaway jumper he took right right above the right above the nail when he had tatum wide open in the corner uh, when tatum was starting to feel it in the second half and in the fourth quarter i agree with you adam i don't know that it was his worst playoff game um because he did have some moments and like his his spacing is so important but there, there are a lot of times that I disagree with the decisions that Brogdon makes on both ends of the court. So I'm with you on that. And I want to see more white. I still want to see more white on the court. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys on Brogdon. Same. I don't know if this is his worst game, but despite him having, you know, 19 points and eight rebounds, I didn't feel great about his game. You know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of, I think, the overall point that we're making. And I think it's been all of these playoffs where brogdon's numbers i don't have his full playoff stats in front of me here right now but but he's had he's had a really solid postseason percentages points all that it's to your point that you were saying greg it's 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 the rhythm that he takes the offense out of and so but here's the but here's kind of the the caveat to that sometimes that's needed sometimes that's needed because our offense can stall out and we're not getting good looks if he can get a look by himself but there's times where that's a hindrance to what the overall team goal is so his ability to be a bit of a changeup is sometimes a benefit and a bonus. And then his spacing is always going to be a plus because of the way that we play Missoula ball. We want to shoot, you know, 50 plus threes a game or, or how many ever would be enough, you know, for Joe Missoula. But there's other times where the numbers look good, 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Uh, I mean, he had two turnovers in this game, but you know, still like, like if you're just looking at that five of eight from three, that feels good. Six of 13, not, not as great overall, but when you think about it in the flow, that's where I think you can really nitpick that there are moments that that it, it definitely wasn't a great Malcolm Brogdon night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam, real quick, let's just take a quick break. And uh, when we come back from that break, Adam, you can go off on Malcolm Brogdon for as long as you want. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we're we're talking about Malcolm Brogdon here, Adam. Go go with your take here on it. Yeah, I mean the stats are great. You know, the, the points, the rebounds, everything like that's great. But there's a, a point where you have to be like the minutia of the game, the the little details and. I feel like he blew a few coverages defensively, gave up some fouls that he didn't really need to give up. That one where he kind of just flat tired. I think who did he flat tire? Was it Tyrese Maxey? Was it Harden? Yeah, flat tired, flat tired Harden to give up a foul when you in a real tight ball game. That was just careless, you know. I mean, you know how big your feet are. We, we don't want a Kevin Durant mm-hmm. moment right now. Like you know, just take an extra half step back. Uh, I feel like he was getting hunted a little bit as well, like in that Harden and um, pick and roll, especially as they moved that pick and roll onto the wings and they were doing like more empty corner stuff. It felt like whenever Bragdon was on the floor, he was kind of who they wanted to switch on to. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think he was self-aware enough to try and get himself switched back out of that matchup. Like he wanted to try and hang there. So I'm not saying he's a like he's the reason they lost or anything like that. I'm just like, yo, defensively, you were kind of a target. You made mm-hmm. some silly mistakes, and in our offense, mm-hmm. your shot selection at times was questionable. You also gave somebody a chess pass. I think it was Tobias Harris. You, <laughs> you literally <laughs> chess passed the board. Like, what are we doing right now? Hey, so he's, he's got he's got two assists. He's got two assists for the for the Sixers this series. I know, dude, man. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm all in on this team. Like, I think that the, the fight they showed to claw back from where the position they were in the third to where they were. At the end of the fourth, oh, that's a good it, comeback, man. It was yeah, such a good comeback. Yeah. I'm just like I'm all in on their fight. I'm all in on what they can do. But you know, you've got to call out the bad performances the same way as you'll call out the good ones. Absolutely, and and that's the that's the frustration. And you know, um, our guy Wayne Spoon, he wrote a uh, over at Celtics blog and part of First of the Floor podcast. He uh, he wrote a great article just talking about kind of the complexities of rooting for this team because there's expectations. You can go back to those Isaiah Thomas teams; they're so fun and easy to root for, but they never had a real chance in hell of winning a championship. This team almost won a championship last year, and at their peak, I, I like when, when they play their best. I'm not sure there's a better team in the NBA. It's just they can't get there consistently enough, you know, or, or especially in moments when they're not with their backs against the wall. Like when they can actually take control, they really struggle to, to, to for whatever reason, find a way to to get to to that gear. And that makes it really difficult. I think as a fan, just watching these games to enjoy it as much as we want to. And then that's what makes moments like this so frustrating. But another thing I want to I want to talk about here, and this is this is a question I have for you guys because I don't know if this is more coaching, or if there's a little bit of player thing here. Let's talk about Jalen Brown for a minute because Jalen Brown was came out. I called him the tone setter a few a few games ago. He set the tone again tonight. He came out on fire. He was amazing in the first quarter. He's been amazing in a lot of these first quarters. Second half, including overtime, how many shots do you guys think Jalen Brown had? Um. Uh three. Not too I'm far cheating right now. I'm, I'm cheating right now and I'm pulling it up. I'm gonna say six. 
You're, let's cut the difference just about. It's five shots. So he goes three of five. That's it. In the second half and overtime, three of those. And three of those are from deep three, two of which I'm pretty sure were just at the end of the shot clock, if I remember correctly. So they, they weren't necessarily the best of looks. And then he's got two right at the rim. But that's it. And, you know, Jalen Brown has been really, really good, really, really efficient in these playoffs. And so I don't know if this is him getting less aggressive as the game goes on. Is this Missoula not putting Jalen in enough spots to get enough touches? Is it the Philly defense? I've, I've been a little bit confused. And, you know, they had the 8-for-10 game a few games ago as well. So I, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts because I thought that was another glaring part. Well, especially for my bank account because I bet on Jalen Brown over 24.5 points, had 12 points in the first quarter. Yeah, finished with 23. We missed that bet again. Boy's still cold. But what is going on with this? Why is Jalen Brown not as involved as much as when the game goes on? Well, to me, this is the the Brogdon conversation. You know, is there's so much of Brogdon initiating on the offense where Jalen ends up just standing in the corner, not really doing anything, um, which he has done well in the past, right? He's been a great corner three-point shooter um, throughout his career. This year, his numbers are down from the corners, but I, I trust him to be able to make those big shots from the corner, but that's not where he is right now in his offensive game. He needs to have the ball in his hands. They need to be running actions for Jalen Brown coming off wide pin downs. Um, you know, they, they tried to go to those ghost screens with him and Tatum a few times, but they didn't really get much of that for JB. It ended up being more Tatum doing, doing his thing. But to me, I think with Brown, like not getting shots down the stretch, it's one, if we're not getting out in transition, like Jalen, some of like the inherent opportunities for JB aren't going to be there, but we need to be more cognizant of Jalen Brown getting downhill. Um, you know, they could go, uh, they could go double staggered screens for him. They could do some, some drag action for him, double drag, like the, the Hawks always do for Trey Young, just like a little bit more where Jalen Brown is able to get some room going downhill. And then having guys like Brogdon spacing out to the corners where Brogdon in the second half and especially in the fourth quarters, too often he was the one that was driving into the paint seemingly without a plan. There's also a world where he starts to defer as well because Tatum's improved. Like Tatum finds a rhythm. You want to get your boy going a little bit. But I agree. I think Brogdon definitely hinders Jaden Brown's ability to be more of a factor, especially down in the second half of the primarily like midway through the third, I feel like it's usually Brogdon time where everybody, and it's not even just Brogdon taking over. It's like players are actively looking to feed Brogdon rather than trying to find ways to get Jalen going. I like the idea of running some double drag for him, especially in, um well, in transition. I also like the idea of trying to run some flex, flex actions for him, getting him coming off the baseline, just allowing him to use the athleticism. And man, he needs more mid-range. There needs to be a way, especially with the way the Sixers are playing, to start getting him some post-touches and just being like, JB, be Jalen Brown DeRozan. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And just do your thing. And because at the start, he had that one really nice um, finish at the start of the game where he kind of like caught the ball, stepped forward, turned his back, stepped through, and then finished around and be that way. And like the footwork's there for him to be like a really potent offensive threat on that mid post area. You don't want him there all the time, not in the nineties, but there's a world where that he should be getting more of those actions, especially when the offense is bugging down, especially if Malcolm Brogdon's driving and they're taking it away. I felt like the horns actions that the Celtics run in this game with JB as one of the screeners were atrocious because no, that like you'd have two screeners, but neither screener would really do much. And Brogdon would just reject one screen, which you meant to on the horns anyway, but 
it felt like no one was rolling. Both guys were trying to pop, and Brogdon's not the best decision maker when things kind of start falling flat. So it's I don't know, man. I just feel like Jalen Brown needs to assert himself more. If he's not getting created for, he needs to kind of find a way to step in and be like, no, I'm Jalen Brown, motherfucker. Give me the ball. Yeah, it, it, it just feels like just not enough. You don't feel like his presence is so emphatic in that in that first quarter today. And then it just feels almost like a like a disappearing act for you know the last you know let's say the first half he was impactful and that second half it just 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 wasn't enough there, and you know when you flip it over to the Philly side right and you look at their two stars Harden, you know we we joked about this Adam Greg and I were watching um, Game Three with a buddy of ours here who's a big Rockets fan. And we were joking that Houston Harden, because it kept getting brought up so many times that they need Houston Harden in game one. Then they got Houston Harden, but in game two and three was the other side of the Houston Harden. Now we're back to game one, Houston Harden, and, and the connotation that, you know, he has a 40-plus point game and, you know, hit the hit, hit the dagger shots both in regulation to send it to overtime and then overtime to get the win. And then you have Joel Embiid, who was really great for about the, you know, first three quarters or so. And then Al Horford came out and, and played a, you know, Held, held Joel Embiid to three of twelve, not single-handedly, but but played a primary role in holding him to three of twelve. And so you look at it, you know, from the Philly side. I said this earlier, and I'm curious if you guys agree. I think this was for them. This is one of their better games as a team that that they could play. I'm sure there's like little things that, that could be better, but they get some bench contributions from from Niang. Maxi has has some moments. Harden and Embiid did their thing. So, do you think this is the best? You think this is the peak of what the Celtics will face from the Sixers as far as how they can play, or you know, I, I don't know. Tell me what you guys think about about the performance from the Sixers tonight from that perspective. I just think I think I shook my head when you asked whether or not it's the best they're going to see the Sixers, and that's just because Embiid's still working his way back to full fitness. He's still getting himself back to game yeah, sharpness. Fair. He's got better every game he's played in now, and I feel like there's he, there's still a level or two more that he can go. So I'm not going to say this is the best that we can expect to see from Philly because as Embiid gets better, evidently Philly gets better as a result. I think that we've seen every, all the adjustments they can make offensively. I don't like the fact, like for me, one of their biggest weaknesses is outside of James Harden, who's their next elite level play initiator. It's going to be Tyrese Maxey, right? And he has to do everything at 100 miles an hour to be effective. So yeah. I think that, you know, and you see that when James Harden struggles on ball with creation, like he did in game two, not so much in game three, but what Philly just looked disjointed. It's just going to be feed and beat at the nail and let and beat go to work, feed and beat at the mid post, let and beat go to work. Now that's not what that didn't work for the games two and three because Embiid was like, dude, I'm gassed. My knees swelling up the size of a grapefruit. I need to sit down. Comes out in game, like game, what's this? Game four. This game and four. Um, yeah, I had to count. It's late, dude. It's like, what? It's past midnight now. Um, comes out and plays well. You know, his fitness is a bit better. He's found a bit of a rhythm. And then everything starts to look good. So I'm expecting to see Embiid play even better, as probably at the TD. Yep. And then, you know, that hard, hardens the, the weight of expectation on Harden's shoulders starts to decrease the better mm-hmm. Embiid starts to play. Yeah, to your point about Maxi, um, you know, Harden is, is such a great decision maker. He's such a great passer. He has everything that you want in a pick and roll partner for Joel Embiid. 
Maxi does have some capability to run and pick and roll, but it's more for his own shot. He can't really do, he can't find the, the, the shooters in the corner. He can't really throw the lob over the top to Embiid, though Embiid's not like a huge lob threat right now. Um, so Maxi right now is very similar to how I see you always talking about Jalen Brown being a play finisher for the Celtics, right? There's a big article you wrote earlier in the year. Like they need to set up Maxi to just finish plays, get downhill, uh, 45 cuts from, from the wing, things like that, where he can attack downhill. Uh, he's a great shooter off the, off the catch, but Maxi doesn't do enough to make his teammates better at this point in his career. Not that he can't at some point in his future, he's still super young. Um, but for this series, I don't think that the Sixers really can do much more on the offensive side of the ball scheme wise. Um, that's going to get them better looks than they got tonight. Uh, the Celtics, I thought like pretty much all night were getting pretty solid looks and forcing the forcing the Sixers to take tough shots. Um, but the Sixers were, were hitting some of the tough shots and then they were getting some of those guys like George Nang to knock down some shots, Maxi knocked down some shots. And then Harden, when Harden goes for 40, like you would have never thought James Harden would go for 40 twice in this series, but Jalen mm-hmm. Brown getting in foul trouble early on in the game, they were forced to take Brown off of Harden for the entire first half. He didn't cover him after those two fouls. And then Harden was able to get into a rhythm when he has somebody like smart guarding him or white guarding him. They just don't have the physicality and the length that Jalen Brown um, has on the defensive end. So if, if Harden, if Brown's able to stay out of foul trouble and guard Harden for a full 48, I don't see the Sixers being able to generate the the type of offense they generated tonight because most of their offense was generated by James Harden. So it, it's certainly going to be more nuanced than this, but control James Harden, win the series. You know what I mean? Like, is is that a, a big part of this just for the Celtics? If 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 Harden gets himself going, and it doesn't necessarily mean going for over forty, but even if he's getting thirty plus, that's going to be you know. Uh, that's going to be difficult for the Celtics to, you know, to also try to control whatever Embiid's putting up whoever else. But, you know, the way that they were able to, you know, just completely dominate Harden in games two and three, it feels like that's just, you know, in, in a very simplified version of what needs to happen over these next three games is keep James Harden under control and you win this series. Well, the pattern works, right? So he has a big game in game one, folds in game two and three, big game in game four. So now you need to win games five and six because the the pattern says that Harden's going to be back to Houston Harden in game seven, and you don't want that. So that that's a concern. And like as Greg pointed out, like that was kind of the point I was pushing with um, with Maxi was behind Harden, they don't have that pick and roll creator. They don't really have that on board initiator. So when you can limit Harden, you limit everything good they could do outside of Embiid in terms of actual on ball creation. Avoid game seven. Apparently, that's the math. He plays good in game one, good in game four, good in game seven. I'm just saying that that's the pattern. We've I got. saw uh, and someone a on Twitter today. It's a, it's a little bit like the Anthony Davis thing where everyone's starting to say, oh, look, just look at the, the numbers here. Anthony Davis plays well every other game. James mm-hmm. Harden's playing well every three games. So yeah. if, if that's going to be the situation that we're looking at, then yeah, ideally you're trying to avoid game seven. So as we try to wrap our heads uh, around this, let's take a quick break and then let's. Let's, let's talk about what we think is... Let's look ahead to Game 5. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and do that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Game five coming up here Tuesday night at the TD Garden. We know all the stats about, you know, the winners of game five, series tie 2-2, how meaningful it is to to go up 3-2. You know, obviously keep in mind as Celtics fans, we know last year, this same round, Celtics went down 3-2, came on the road and, and won. So so even if the Celtics find a way to, to lose game five, doesn't mean the series is over by any means, but you're going to see that number, whatever it is about whoever wins this game and, you know, 75 or whatever, whatever that number is, go on to, to win the series. So obviously a massive, massive game coming up on Tuesday night at the TD garden. But Greg, let's, let's start with you. What needs to, what needs to happen for the Celtics to, to get back to, to taking control of the series in game five? Um, I think that first of all, Jason Tatum needs to get off to a better start than he got off to tonight. Tatum was unbelievable. One of nine, two half. points in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Second so half, he had a hard Yeah. Second half. He was great. I just wanted like, before we move on to game five, I just want to touch on JT, what he did in game four. He had 24 points, 18 rebounds, six assists, four blocks, one steal, only two turnovers. He was great in that game. Absolutely phenomenal in that game. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I just think that like Tatum needs to really get off to a great start um, in, in order for the Celtics to, you know, to set the tone on, on offense in the first half, because Brown is that guy. That's the tone setter, right? He always comes out and has 10 to 15 points in the first quarter. Um, but I think Tatum is the guy that needs to like put his foot down as the MVP of, of this team. So I've got nothing else to add because the fact that when Tatum plays one in the second half, you you come back from a deficit. Tatum plays bad in offensively bad. He played well defensively. Plays offensively bad in the first half. You're struggling. Like I don't know. There's no way that an argument can be made that you can win this series without Tatum playing well. I also panicked yeah. because I saw that I tweeted out the wrong link when I was tweeting out the show, and I tweeted out the link to the stream. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw somebody pop, pop into the room, and I was like, "Who? Wait, what is happening right now?" So I tweeted out a link like, "Yo, come hang with us," and like I just must have copied. Oh wait, the did someone pop and... into the show? Into the yeah, yeah. yeah that's show, why I like studio? lost my train of thought halfway through my tape conversation. I was like, "What? <laughs> who, who? I like Greg. I I saw you lose your train of thought. I saw you laugh at something, and I started looking for our private." I was looking through the comments. I was like, "What? What was Greg just laughing at? Was he, yeah, was he just pulling a Joe Mazzula and laughing like a maniac? What was? What was? What Dude, was it's going like you know, there? you know what that's like. It's um. So uh, I'm in a band, right? And we have a shared Google Drive. 
But every once in a while, like one of my bandmates will forget that he's uploading something personal into the band drive versus his Google Drive. And sometimes there's like some obscene shit that gets uploaded into the Google Drive. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, all right, guys, which one of you motherfuckers just uploaded some porn into the Google Drive? Like, what, like, what, like, what's happening right now? Like wrong link. You got to make sure you're tweeting out the right links, uploading oh things to the right Google Drive. Shit, it's late, man. I just try. I was just trying to get some more people up in late, here, man. Oh, Late, late night, green, green with envy, Adam Taylor Pornhub special. Oh man, I mean, I was just inviting people to come hang. It was just in the wrong area, like oh. not meant to be backstage. Oh, man. Hey man, backstage we needed passing. that. We we need a little levity on this because it was uh, it was it was a rough game, and you know, looking ahead, you guys are right. You guys have said everything that I think is is really going to be key, and you know. Jason Tatum this postseason has had a much a much more well-rounded postseason, right? Not just the scoring. The rebounds have gone from, yeah, he's getting 8 to 10. To, he got, what did he get, 18 tonight or what, whatever ridiculous 18. number it was. 18. That's absurd that Jason Tatum's pulling down 18 boards. I mean, you go to bed on it now, but pregame, the line's 9.5. That's the baseline that they're setting for Jason Tatum when it comes to rebounds. You know, he has uh, six assists tonight. He's, he's kind of at that point that we usually look to with the guys that we consider on the wings, you know, say for like guys like LeBron, but you know, like Kawhi, Jimmy, whatever in that five, six assist range, he's pretty consistently doing that as well now. But the one thing that we haven't had yet is that scoring explosion and that scoring explosion. Sometimes that's just what you need, right? So if you're going to be, and he's going to be back to back first team, all NBA back to back top five MVP finisher. Sometimes you just need that dude that's just gonna gonna go out and put up forty plus. Now he can certainly. I'm not trying to challenge it and say that he can't do that because we've seen him do it. We know. He I mean, can. he had 39 in game one and we lost. Right. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's right there. Exactly. So, you know. So, so I, maybe I don't know what it is. Then <laughs> maybe we're just maybe we're just grasping no, at straws uh, no, to try to find the answer. I, I think T- Tatum needs to be that guy in offense, and he needs to have it going from three. Because when he has it going from three, he's he's just completely unstoppable. Yeah, different different world. But the defense that the Celtics locked into tonight, um, you know, th- there was a couple moments where you know the Tatum block on uh, I think it was Melton or, or Maxi at the rim. He blocked in- yeah. Niang, uh, Al Horford blocked Embiid like two or three different times. There was like that that yeah, level of activity. Four blocks for Tatum tonight. Four blocks. Add yeah. that to the stat line. Exactly. Right. So like that level of activity with their hands um, on the defensive end and just like getting up and and pressuring high pickup points like Jalen Brown picking up hard in 94 feet for the last three games, like all those things have to be there right there. As Missoula was saying, um, there's a level that we can get to defensively that we haven't yet reached, like find that level. We need to find that level and compete. And they did, right? That's why it's like so heartbreaking that we lost game four is because that that had all the makings of this like monumental uh, win for the Celtics. That's gonna They're going to be able to ride that momentum into the Eastern Conference Finals and they're not going to have to worry about like, oh, we, we, we faced the same test with James Harden and Joel Embiid. We passed that test and then we failed the test because we don't call a fucking timeout at the end of the game. <laughs> and that's the problem, right? Joe Mazzulla is telling everyone you've got another level you can find, and then he doesn't go and find another level himself. He's yeah. like, eh, man, fuck it, I saved these times out, but we're not going to use them. Dude, and on like, the day on the day that a Brian Windhorse feature on ESPN comes out on Joe Mazzulla, did you guys read that? I, I didn't uh, see that came out. No. <laughs> I don't <laughs> can, can, can you, can you give us a little I, synopsis or insights into it? 
basically it's just like Joe Mazzulla is the ultra competitor and like he's silencing all the critics in this run to, for the Celtics to get back I ain't to the silent, bro. I think we're pretty fucking loud to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like tough, tough timing for that article to come out. Don't give me yeah, wrong. It's... Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead Adam. No, go I was ahead, just going to say like, you know, he galvanized the team. He's done. He's done a really good job. Like to say that he's a trash coach is unfair. It's false. It's non-factual to say that he's making the same mistakes time and time again is fair. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this timeout issue is a, a mis- it's a repeat. It's insanity. He's repeating the same issues and expecting different outcomes. And he can be an ultra competitor all he wants. And I understand that he's the, like he's this new Zen kind of coach where he's like, I trust you guys to figure it out. And the fact that I trust you will empower you to do the right thing. No, motherfucker, just call the timeout, draw up the play, run a grenade action because it was there for you all the way through the game and you never once went to it. Let Tatum dunk on someone so we can all get hyped for 20 minutes. Some people are going to get over it. I'm going to be breathless all the way through an episode and then we're going to have a good time. But no, we don't call a timeout and then Smart ends up looking bad for no reason. If you don't call so, a timeout, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, dude. And it's like <laughs> Schrodinger's cat, right? Like, if you call a timeout, do you win or do you lose? Well, we're never going to know because you didn't call it. And then we go down this Schrodinger's cat theory and that's com- more complex than I have an IQ for it this time or not. I mean, I think I think some people on, in, in Celtics fandom, Celtics Nation on Celtics Twitter have romanticize to to a fault sometimes the idea of what Ime Odoka became as he progressed. Yeah. But one thing I do look back, it took us a while, but we got there where we were all screaming, hey, maybe don't close with Smart and Schroeder. We've only seen that fail time after time after time till eventually, you know what? There was a breaking point and it was a massive shift in the season. Of course, Schroeder was gone a few weeks later, but even when Schroeder was there for that final two, three weeks, you saw the shift. You saw an approach in a different way after something continually failed time and time again. And Missoula, when he gives the answers post game about timeouts, the frustrating part is, you know, time and he, he's mentioned before he saves them, said he has them just in case he needs them. Well, when are you going to fucking need them, buddy? Like, like, when are you actually going to need them if you just never use them? Like, I don't know. It doesn't even make any sense. And, and the fact that he acts as if, that wasn't even an option. You know, I feel like in his answers, he's like, no, we had the pace. Why would we call a timeout? I, like, like, can you guys right now, I was just trying to think about this a minute ago, and, and maybe I'm just not thinking of it. Can you guys think of, because this has been such a problem all season, a time we're not calling a timeout that we can at least point to and say, hey, remember that time against insert team or insert moment? We didn't call a timeout, and that was that's what we're trying to replicate time and time again. I'm sure it exists. I just yeah, can't think no. of it off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like keep a tally of it, but there were definitely a few times throughout the season where that that strategy works. And like, I generally am okay with the strategy of not calling a timeout. Just like I'm okay with the general idea of not calling a timeout. But there are like so obvious situations where you need to call the timeout. And I was, like I said earlier, I was okay with them not calling timeout at the end of regulation. The game was tied, first of all, right? We're not mm-hmm. down one. That's a then, big difference, yeah. Yeah, big difference. And we we had we had a lot of momentum up until that point. And it felt like Philly was just like hanging on by a thread, right? Where like it just had that feel that the Celtics were going to win the game and Smart just front rim the three. Like you can make the argument, maybe you want to get Smart off the court for a better shooter, but Missoula's going to go with Smart. We know at this point he's not going to bench Marcus Smart. So that's, that, that's a whole nother thing. Marcus Smart played great tonight. I thought Smart's been good for most of the playoffs. Um, he hit the three that, 
was just a little bit late. You know what I mean? So there's like, you trust Marcus Smart in big moments. But at the end of uh, overtime, we're down one. The Celtics seemingly don't have their stuff together because it, it takes them seven seconds to get into the play. Tatum doesn't get into his downhill action until under four seconds left on the clock. And then at that point, you're just like, I mean, fuck it. Like, hopefully we get a shot up, right? That's really what I'm thinking at that point. It's like, I hope we get a shot up. And we didn't get a shot up. But at that, dude, like the strategy of not calling a timeout there, like I, you have to give yourself an opportunity for an offensive rebound. I feel like I'm just like repeating all the shit I said earlier in the pod, but you have to give yourself the opportunity to get an offensive rebound where you say, okay, Tatum, you're going to go at eight seconds, right? Because you want to give yourself a chance if you miss the first shot that you have an opportunity to get the second one. So like you get the shot up with four seconds, right? Not start your action to the hoop with four seconds. So that, that I mean, you just got to call a timeout, man. <laughs> I'm just very, very sad. I'm, I'm not even upset. I'm just disappointed. It's that parenting kind of mentality now. And yeah. you can just tell what it's going to be like in the post-game presses. I feel sorry for everyone there. Joe, why didn't you call the timeout? I didn't think I needed to. Why? Why, why didn't you need to? We we were only down one. So just what did you face. see? Yeah, what did you see there, Joe? I trust my guys. Anything else you want to add, Joe? My jiu-jitsu coach said to not to. <laughs> <laughs> anything else no and it's just like he treat. I, I just don't get it man I just, yeah. I just, and like, I'm being mean to him because I think he's done a good job I just think that this was it's a game just the timeouts man that's what fucking kills me about this guy it's like if if you could fix this one thing this super obvious thing about calling mm-hmm. timeouts be like oh Joe Mazzucchi's like first year head coach he does a lot of great things but yeah. like this is the one thing where it's just like bro it's, it's, the stu- it's the stubbornness. Stubborn. It's the stubbornness yeah. of it that we we we've said this now for half the season. That's fine, but just show me that the other side of the coin exists. Show me that we can call a timeout, get into an action, get to a play. That that that's an option as well. We've talked about it before about roster and different lineups and, and depth the, the, about versatility. There's also a versatility to the end of the games, like you're saying, Greg, where. Depending on the circumstance, the time and situation, yeah, let's run out and transition. It's a tie game. I like the matchup. Let's not give them a chance to sub. Let's let's go with the guys that we have out there. And then there's being down one, 17 seconds left, and wanting to get a good shot with enough time potentially for a putback, for a second shot. And we we just never see that other side. And and that's the infuriating. It's not even frustrating anymore. It's infuriating. It's the infuriating part of the scenario. Do you know what else upset me as well? I felt like there was Go a few it. different times where they, where Missoula was like ch- calling plays from the sidelines down the stretch in the fourth. And the Celtics would run them and everything was working well. And then all of a sudden he just stopped calling plays. And like I get it. You don't want to kind of shout out a play every possession because it starts to stagnate. The other team understand the playbook a bit more. But there was a few moments in time where I'm like, they could really use someone to shout out a play right now. Whether it be snap mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't like. We don't need to list fifty plays, but it was just do something because there was times where I felt like the ball just kind of got stuck, and that's not just on Brogdon. That sometimes it was on Tatum, sometimes it was on Smart, and it it was bouncing around the perimeter, and no one was getting paint touches again. And it, to me, I'm just like, dude, just call a play. I'm not even asking you for you to call a timeout at this point. Just coach the fucking team. And so I I, I think that. As the game wore on, he really kind of endeared himself to everybody and then kind of shit the bed. And, you know, that's kind of the Joe Mazzula experience. We've had the Marcus Smart experience. He's figured that shit out. Now we have the Joe Mazzula experience. And they're going to come out in game five and they're going to absolutely cook from free all the way through and dominate. Or 
they're going to stink the place up, get spanked, and we're going to be back here wondering if they're even going to make it to the finals. It's going to go one or two ways. Well, which on is that note, of every game. <laughs> on that note, let's do a couple game five predictions. We'll do a vibe check and we'll get out of here. Greg, game five prediction, and then Adam and I'll, I'll round us out here. I think the Celtics win by like 13 to 15 points, man. We're better than the Sixers. I'm calling a blowout. I think the Celtics, I think sorry. Oh, sorry, the Celtics win by a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I this is the script, right? This this feels like the Celtics pull us, they drag us through the mud of going through these late game frustrations. And the next game they come out, it's like, oh, wait, this is the this is the team that we keep believing in and we keep coming back to this circle of frustration every time because we know that you can be this team. I think we see that team as well again in game five. What we get what we get in in game six back in Philly, I don't know. I have Dude, no the idea. Team, the team, I know we got to move on a vibe check, but just one last thing. The team was awesome yeah, tonight. The team, the team was awesome tonight. Like, it's not like, oh, we're going to see this other team. That team that we want was there tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They played great. Yeah. We just didn't win the fucking game because of the, the late game timeout management. It's, it's horrible. Horrible. Kills it's horrible. It's frustrating. So there will be a game five in Boston on Tuesday. Definitively, there'll be a game six Thursday in Philly. As we mentioned at the top, three-man weave. Adams, Ad, you think Adam's staying up late now? Wait till game six when y'all join us on the Bleacher Report app for game six post-game coverage. Adam, Adam might be even, you know, it's it's midnight now. What, what what's it gonna be? Three, four a.m. for for game six when you're when you're joining us on that, Adam? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> we'll we'll address that. We'll call a timeout <laughs> and address that problem when we get there, if we need to, or who knows? Maybe we'll just wing it and we'll play with pace. We'll see how it goes. But we'll have you guys covered here. We'll have other podcasts and pregame coverage leading up to Game Five, as well as uh, a post-game pod after Game Five, as well. So we'll check in, see where the vibes are at. But for today, as we always do on Sunday, before we leave, y'all, let's queue up a vibe check. All right, it's that time again. Let's do a little bit of a vibe check here. Adam, you jumped in late, so we'll give you here. We'll give you a little bit of a moment here to think about your vibe check. But Greg, let's uh, let's start with you today. Let's see if we can end this on a on a funner, lighter note than we started. Well, I got to think about things that make me happy at this time, and like inev- like when the Celtics aren't making me happy. The next thing, my dogs, but like I I don't have my dogs with me to talk about my dogs right now. So I'm just gonna go to food. Right, I love food. Food makes me happy. I'm trying to ball on a budget a little bit right now. So what I decided to do, going back to my childhood, went to the grocery store and I got a huge bag of frozen chicken nuggies. So I have been eating frozen chicken nuggets in all variety of sandwiches and wraps, rice bowls, stir fries, just with my uh, frozen chicken nuggets that I'm heating up in the air fryer. It brings me joy. As long, I, I don't know how many more days in a row I can eat frozen chicken nuggets. I'm on four right now. So <laughs> chicken nugget let's, diet. Let's see day five. Um, I'll probably mix it up tomorrow, but it's been really nice just to go back to my childhood roots. I didn't, I know you're about to ask, well, I didn't go like dino nuggets or anything. Just like, how did you know I was going to ask that? That was what hundred percent what I was going to ask. I know bro, because <laughs> we share the same brain. We share the same brain. I know that's what you're going to ask. I just went with the little popcorn nuggets. 
Okay, I like the popcorn nugget. It's a solid choice. Uh, stop. Went to a show last night. Stopped by a, a food truck here in Austin, and they had some nuggets that um, my girlfriend Lorena got, and they were the most average nuggets of all time. They were probably worse than the ones in your freezers. Very disappointing. But in general, when buying them from the store, chicken nuggets are a very, very underrated purchase from the grocery store. So I'm feeling your vibe check, Greg. Uh, we'll keep it moving here. I'll, I'll go on to to my vibe check here. And once again, like we said, we're trying to find ways to pick up the mood a little bit here. So, you know, last last week I talked about being excited to watch Succession on Sunday. Still feeling Succession. If you haven't watched Succession, you should. It's great. I'd love to have more friends to talk with, about it with. So please watch it. Message me. We can chat. Another show I found this week that I've been enjoying is uh, a new Pete Davidson show on Peacock. It's called Bupkis. And really all you need to know, and Greg, I know you watch the show Dave with Lil Dicky, right? Yeah. Adam, do you watch that show Dave with about Lil Dicky, the rapper? Yeah, I've seen season one, so I'm two seasons behind. Okay. So basically, this is that same exact premise, but just Pete Davidson's life. It's and it's very similar humor, very similar like style in the way it's shot. And they just have a ton of pretty crazy um, cameos. You know, they've got Joe Pesci, they've got Edie Falco, they've got Bobby Cannavale, they've got um uh God, Charlie Kelly. Um, they've got a lot of people just kind of popping in for one, two episodes. Uh, really enjoyable. Pete Davidson's always been kind of a guy. I'm like, sometimes I like Pete Davidson, sometimes I don't really get the Pete Davidson thing. Uh, but I'm enjoying the show. So it's a good laugh. It's entertaining. Uh, I recommend it. I think if you're looking for something to decompress after an event like the Celtic Sixers game four, this would be something I might recommend if you have the Peacock app. Uh, so, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was going to say, have you seen the King of Staten Island? I have, which they actually reference in the show. Okay. So like that, is it like just a show version of that movie? Just kind of. <laughs> It's, it's just literally, so this is, it's like basically Pete Davidson and Lil Dicky just are living out their real lives in multiple platforms. That's all they're doing. It's, okay. it's, 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 yeah, it's, if you like King of Staten Island, you'll also like Bubkiss. I'm going to have to check this out. I don't really like, know if I like Pete Davidson, but we'll find out. Yeah. It's confusing, right? Yeah. We'll find out. Well, uh, you're, I'm you're not, you're not like a, a 20 year old girl going through a quarter life crisis. So you don't, <laughs> you're not like the demographic for people. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. To, I'm going to go back to food for my vibe check. I'm going to give my wife a shout out. So since I got back from Boston, I've been talking about chicken palm. All right. So how good chicken palm is, how much I need chicken palm in my life. How I'm sad that chicken palm doesn't exist as like a per like I can't there's no restaurant I know of that I can just roll into and be like, yo, make me some chicken palm. Especially if I'm like, yo, make it me and let me leave with it. And so I've been moaning about it to the wife. And she comes home, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. She downloaded the rest a recipe. She got the ingredients. She makes me some chicken palm. That shit was fire. That shit was bought memories back of Molinari's. I was like, yo, this is Fire, I need to eat. I felt very comforted. I felt very full because that shit's just filling the shit. And I feel like it's fitting to kind of put it out there because the first time I ate chicken palm, I was sitting next to you two. Uh, I, I just felt like the, the circle of life had completed. Do you know what I mean? I sit, had it with you guys. Now I'm sitting down eating it with my wife and kid. They're feeling it. They're like, yeah, this is really nice. I'm like, I know. Now imagine like professionally made marinara sauce just sprinkled all over it and then i'm like talking of marinara sauce i remember this wild conversation i had with greg and will 
about a business idea that Greg's got, which I'm not going to throw out here because then Thank someone's going to rob you. it from you. But I'm like, how wild is this? This is a weird conversation to have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I, I, love, I, I don't know if this is a Britishism, but when you said you were moaning about it to your wife um, made me think that like, when I hear the word moan, I get like the sexual connotations of the word moan. So like, to me, uh, it's no, like, you no, love, no, no, no. you love chicken, chicken parm. Chicken you parm, love chicken talk. parm so much. You're just like pillow talk, oh, chicken no, parm. It's moaning like, um, like bitching. I'm bitching about <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> Usually I'll Americanize. I was too late to Americanize right now. Um, I'm like, yeah, dude, I want chicken palm. There ain't no chicken palm. She goes, make me chicken palm. Then we'd have a conversation about a world conversation. So it's all in all in all, it was a vibe in itself. So uh, when you mentioned nuggets, it kind of brought me back to the chicken palm. So I appreciate you because I was scrambling for a vibe check. I feel like it went well. Hey, big chicken, big chicken energy here on uh, on the vibe check today. <laughs> we're green with envy, uh, so that's gonna do it. There's no better place to end it than big chicken energy. So we're gonna wrap up this edition of Green with Envy. Celtics, Sixers, tied it to heading back to Boston on Tuesday. We'll have some Instagram coverage for y'all leading up to the game, post game. I believe myself and Greg will have y'all covered. If not, Adam and I will get you in the morning. So we will have you guys with some more uh, coverage after, before and after game five. And then once again, I'm gonna keep plugging this until it happens. Now that we know it's happening, game six, post game, download the Bleacher Report app. Your boys are gonna be featured on there for game six. If there's a game seven, be on there as well with some post-game coverage. So make sure that y'all are locked in with the three-man weave, myself, Greg Menakis, our guy, Adam Taylor. Greg, any final words before we send us out of here? Nope. Music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimists, and this one is called Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace, y'all. Love you. Wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied that's we go with the flow I can sing a different song If I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go